0: Solarpunks and welcome to Solarpunk Futures, I'm Bree Castagnazzi, co-editor-in-chief of Solarpunk magazine. Um, I'm here today with Yetsa De Vries uh, to talk about optimistic science fiction. Yetsa, uh, would you like to say hello?
1: Hello, I'm Yetsa De Vries. Uh, I used to be part of the Interzone uh, magazine back in the days before I edited an optimistic sci-fi anthology called Shine. I think we'll, we'll talk about that.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, without further ado, let me ask you about uh, Shine Anthology. What would you like to say about that?
1: Well, the thing is, um, uh, when I was uh, part of the Interzone Editorial Team from 2004 to 2008, um, what I saw uh, was that most of the stories uh, that we, not only that we published, but also that we received in the slush pile, were predominantly um, pessimistic um this yeah, uh, this this well i thought this was not good i thought we needed more balance um yeah, but so um i actually wanted to both actively um solicit and, and publish more uh, upbeat science fiction stories but my co-editors didn't agree with that so in the end i left interzone and i um I launched this idea of um, starting an optimistic science fiction anthology, and I pitched that at a 2008 WorldCom in Denver uh, to the editors of Solaris Books from the UK. Um, this was actually a bit of a funny story because there was two people from George Mann and, and Mark Newton were sitting in uh, a table in the bar, and I knew they were from Solaris, so I approached them and I pitched my anthology and they thought yeah sir, this is great this is fantastic and i was really happy and i said yeah, yeah sir, but you have to pitch it to christian dunn who's on the toilet he was the actual editor and i was like ah, ah, ah so i had to do the whole thing again but it worked out and i sold the anthology um to uh, solaris books thing is um there was a, a problem because by the time um, i had um, opened up for uh, submissions and selected all the stories. Uh, also, I also approached a lot of writers, of course, I did both soliciting and an open uh, pe- reading period. Um, that Solaris Books uh, was sold by the original uh, Editors Black ri- Library to another company, Rebellion. Um, and during that time, that was almost one and a half year, um, Shine just hang there in the balance because the the old company didn't want to publish it and the new company wasn't ready to publish it. So, it, I was hoping to release it in 2008, but eventually it got released in 2010. So, there was a, a two-year delay in it. But then, uh, eventually, um, it was published. Um, yeah. What I really tried to do with Shine with is not just uh, because I felt that science fiction, I still feel that way, by the way. Um, as an overabundance of of downbeat, uh, doom, gloom, and dystopian uh, type of stories. And yeah, um, I wanted to do something to address that imbalance and and, uh, publish an anthology uh, with with, with upbeat, forward-looking stories as a counterbalance. Um, But also, uh, what I also wanted to do uh, while I was at it, I wanted to also achieve um, a reasonably good gender balance, and I also wanted to include stories from all over the world. So, uh, so I had people, and then I was lucky to get people from uh, stories from uh, uh, people in other continents, uh, from South America and, and Asia, and, and, and Europe, of course, and, and 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 North America. I was only unhappy that I couldn't get anything from uh, from Africa, but oh well, I tried. <laughs> um, so that was with shine um but you also have to keep in mind that um, nowadays uh, you can do uh, what also uh, what what you from solar print magazine do uh, you have kickstarter where you can um um, you can find try to finance and and promote uh, an anthology Uh, kickstarter wasn't very big in those days i think it wasn't even there back in 2008 so i had to pitch it to an existing publisher and if you exist and if you publish and if you pitch an anthology to an actual publisher. What they really want is an anthology with big names like, hey, look at all these famous writers on the cover because that helps um, sell the anthology. And what I wanted is I'm I'm like, well, I don't care who writes it. I just want good stories and I don't care if they're written by well-known authors or by new talents, I I, I don't care. So um, I did solicit a lot of uh, well-known writers that I had known through my uh, uh, time with infrazone etc etc but uh, the response was was very yeah, was disappointing then nobody had, only only Alistair Reynolds sent me something and El is an old friend and the rest didn't really do much so I had to, I had no other choice which I, which I didn't mind uh, but to publish most of the uh, most of uh, talented authors you know and which is which is good because. Um, uh, in that, what the, the authors that actually appeared in 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 Shine. Uh, the big name was, was L. Reynolds and K. Kennedy for all that. But um, uh, the people that were published in Shine, whose stories are to back in in, in two thousand eight, were people like Aliette de Bodard, uh, Sylvia Moreno Garcia, which, which was the first pro sale, uh, garf Powell, Madeline Ashby, uh, Lavi Tidar, who all later became uh, yeah became. Relatively to very well known uh, novelists eh? and people like Gord Sheller and Mary Ness, who haven't written any novels yet, but who I rate very high um, as story writers. So I I did have the talent in there. And yeah, you can only point out 10 years later, you see, (laughs) I helped discover those people. There was a question in there that asked about my favorite stories. Mm -hmm. What what, are your favorite stories um, in Shine? Uh, And yeah, I mean, Um, It's a bit like asking a parent which child they love the most. Uh, (laughs) It's hard, but I'll give it a try anyway. Uh, um, Of those stories uh, in there, uh, what I do uh, is what a lot of anthologists do is that you start and you end with what you think are the best stories. It it, it works a bit like that. The first story, you really want to uh, pull the people in. And with the last one, you want to uh, leave them with a satisfied feeling and so that's that's it, it, and that works it's true so the earth of union from uh, eric gregory which was set in china was a good one to 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 open the story which which was also yeah. it it, it was not only uh, a relatively realistic story about how to um, clean up uh, the future in 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 china yeah, where they are unfortunately now again um burning tons of coal uh, and that uh, gave a bit of hope in there. Yeah? And the story after that, the green man watches the black bar go up, up, up. And then you have a story um, set in, in Brazil. And what I like really is that I was able to get a very uh, a range of stories that, that, was, that were all over the globe, that, that gave um, different viewpoints of different possibilities across the world, which I, which I really, really liked. Um another one I really liked was Twittering the Stars by Mary Ness because Mary Ness sent me a story in that was nothing but one range, one long range of tweets. And I'm like, that's crazy. But it worked. I'm like, hey, I got a story of nothing but tweets. I think a few months later, there was another story that was comp- that consisted of nothing but tweets. But I think Mary's was the first one. I'm like, hey, I got it first. I'm happy. And the thing with Mary's story is that it works uh, also backwards if you read the stories from the end and you go back the story also works it's it's very very smart Um, I was also happy with Al Reynolds at Budokan because Al knows me a bit um, and he knows that I am um, quite a big uh, hard rock heavy metal fan so he, he put that influence in there eh? and um, by the way the beautiful picture of of Katie Lee you got in your room. <laughs> um, yeah, love Rush. I love Rush. Um, so I, I like, Elle not only sent a nice story, but it was also a bit tailored at me, and I was really happy with that. Um, another one I was really happy with was, it was um, Sergeant Rasmussen, a report by Organic from Gord Sheller, um, because that one actually um, approached uh, the the op- optimistic angle through um the angle of how intergovernmental um, panels uh, can can change the world. Um, and this people, this is true. It, it, it is true that big, uh, yeah, not just the European Union, but big intergovernmental uh, uh, companies can put uh, up uh, rules like uh, the carbon offsetting and other stuff that can uh, change the world. And I think that Sergeant Rasmussen, in that regard, actually foreshadowed a bit, uh, Kim Stanley Robertson's current novel, The Ministry for the Future, uh, where indeed a big intergovernmental uh, uh, yeah uh, organization really tries to solve the, the climate uh, problems that we are facing and, and which unfortunately will become worse. So I was like hey that's a good one. The other ones uh, the other stories um approached it mostly from personal or from um uh, small companies' uh, all, uh, angles, but to do it also from the political angle, I think, was, was important, and I, I, I wish I had a few more like that. Um, I also like Castle of World from K Canyon, which is a, which was about a, a little um, island drifting in the Pacific that was slowly absorbing all the plastic, uh, the, the big Pacific garbage batch, but although in, in small bites, of course. Uh, and converting it to something uh, normal, which is which I really really liked. And of course, I liked uh, Madeleine Madeline Ashby's uh, uh, which is uh, yeah it's it's subtle, it's it's uh the, the, the progress in there is uh, comes not from high tech or from great concepts, but from people that are in a city place, in this case uh, Afghanistan. So 12 years 10 years later it's still <laughs> um it's still uh, uh, timely, and that they, that, that it's in, in the end that it's people that will uh, implement the change, not technologies. Technologies are tools people will have to implement it. And finally uh, Summer Eyes, yeah, Holy Phillips' story is the only reprint but it also captured uh, Shine's intent so very much in, in, in a subtle, uh, fragile way that, that, that uh, a downbeat protagonist finds a new community that, that helps her uh, settle in that new community and and face the future again um, with some hope. Eh? That was the whole um, idea of Shine, and and yeah, the thing was when I pitched it to the original um, editor Christian Dan from the original Solaris books, uh, he was really enthusiastic, and he said, "Yes, sir, that that's a great uh, idea, that's a great concept, and I hope uh, I think we can sell twelve thousand copies." I was like, 12,000, hallelujah!" But then. Solaris Books was indeed sold to uh, From Black Library to um, Rebellion, still, the Rebellion, still owns them. And the new editor, well, it was a bit, it was um, painful because I was introduced to him. Um, he said, uh, "Jethsen, I'm, I'm John Oliver. I'm your new editor, and I'm, I'm yet, John, I'm yet, Um What do you like, John? Well, Jetsen, I like my stories They can't be bleak enough. I'm like, well. We may have a little <laughs> difference of viewpoint in here. Um, I was the first um, book published by the New Solaris, who still had to get some experience in in the science fiction part, and they only well, what is only um, they only um, printed 4,200 uh, instead of the 12,000 I was promised, which yeah, which 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 uh, well, which was a bit but what can you do and in the end he sold close to 3,500 so I don't think it did bad I think it did pretty well I just like to imagine what happened if we have, if he had printed 12,000 I would have probably sold more of 10,000 which was a bit of a, yeah, a missed opportunity <laughs> so there I was um, the thing was that um, I have to say by the time uh, that's another thing I, I need to say if you do uh, if you do publish anthologies is that getting the stories is half the work. Uh, Once it's published, you need to really promote the thing. And I promoted Shine like crazy. Of my four years that I worked with Interzone, I knew a lot of people in the business. So I went to cons in the US and in the UK. And I um, really, really um, approached everybody that I knew uh, getting as many reviews as i could um pushing it everywhere i was even um i was even um uh, <laughs> I, I was even told that i was hyping the thing i'm like yeah that's exactly what i'm trying to do <laughs> um so that uh, and that, that was the problem the new solaris didn't do because that i was their first book i was their first guinea pig so about 99% of all the promotion from shine came from me um i did get uh, of course in advance paid i paid all the offers and then the money uh, and the money that was left over i all spent it on, on promoting shine because i still have the day job uh, writing doesn't pay my bills so i did promote it very much the only thing Solaris did was publish uh, a page wide ad on the back of their uh, magazine AD 2000. It, it was a bit yeah it was disappointing.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you mm-hmm. personally have a lot invested um, in Shine, and you, yes. you do oh, yes. really wonderful things about it. I mean, this this notion that you know we as you know, if you want to call it solar punk, if you want to call it optimistic science fiction, that brand of writing, that group, the fact that we that we want to reach a wider audience is really you know it, the, and the fact that you have taken the initiative to. Um, uh, solicit writing from authors all over around the world, um, is really important in, in this current time in the current market. So yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. And thank you for talking so in depth about, uh, Shine. Um, but we don't want to spend, um, our whole time together talking about your past work. Uh, the first book in your new Forever Curious series came out just a few months ago. Um, could you tell us a little about the book and the larger series that it kicks off?
1: Well, um, actually, um, Forever Curious is a bit of a thing that's in between. It's sixty thousand words. So, is this a novella or is this a novel? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's part of a two-part. So the whole thing is one hundred twenty k words, but it 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 and it's only two two parts. But it it cuts beautifully in the middle. But it's basically a space adventure where um, a kick-ass heroine um, goes into a very. Uh, Mysterious object tries to find out. It's, it's 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 really it's it's secrets It's a the thing is it's a lovely book. But I think uh, I'm sorry to go a little bit to the next one, and um, that for your magazine, my next project is much more interesting because I'm about to release another duology or a diptych or however you call it, also a novel in two pieces mm-hmm. that is set in the near future. um, um and it's, the original title was um, the replicant. Uh, the mole and the imposter, um, but when I finished the novel um, about a year ago, uh, it had expanded to 220,000 words, which is big. And I try to uh, I try to approach agents and publishers, but most of them, well, everybody was really, really nice and 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 and, and friendly. Uh, they they friendly declined, and only one was quite. Um, White, almost said, yeah, um, uh, for beginning writers, um, your first novel in sci-fi should be 120, maybe 150,000 words max. Yours is way too long. Bang. I'm like, oh, well, but it's the length that it is. Mm -hmm. So I cut it in two as well. (laughs) And I'm releasing the first one uh, in in December. And I'm calling it The Replicant in the the Refugee Camp. I will try to explain why it is uh, more interesting for you. Because this is set in a near future where um, we have a new reality show, um, a reality event, where one of the 10 candidates is what we call a replicant. It's not a human, but is a human, but the, the actual brains are artificial. So it's a artificial intelligence disguised as a human. And the idea of this reality show is that uh, the, the, the viewers and a team of uh, specialists have to try to figure out which of the 10 is indeed the replicant. And mm-hmm. uh, that is where it begins um, because to, 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 uh, to, to try to figure out like, hey, can artificial intelligences really uh, mimic human emotions, etc etc et cetera. Et cetera. Um, that's, but that's the starting off point. But to make it more interesting, I said, yeah, what, what these, uh, if, if it's like... Uh, Uh, Temptation Island or other kind of of, of reality shows. It's like they're all in a little bubble of themselves, which is a bit claustrophobic and boring. I thought like, no, we're not going to do this one different. We are going to set, we're going to make these 10 people do tasks in a refugee camp on a Greek island because well, both in the US and in Europe, the the refugee crisis is also a big thing. Uh, Of course, the refugee crisis is a consequence of both climate change and wars uh, across the world eh? but it's yeah it's one of those things where you yeah where, where you get that focus, so these ten candidates have then to perform tasks in that name, yeah, unnamed refugee camp i'm not re- naming an actual camp uh, it's an, the idea of a refugee camp on a Greek island, and they are then slowly trying to improve the lot of the people on that island. But here is the funny thing, because this show is such a success and everybody wants it. They start their own kickstart to help these people and things get out of hand. It's, they get so much tech and other influences in there is that the, the refugees slowly overcome their uh, traumas and really start to set up their own community, which is actually... Um, step ahead in the future it, it, it's it's like a, a little singularity in, in a refugee camp it's really um uh, and which can function as a, a blueprint for a better world it, it's it's like the world in miniature uh, um and it shows things that might or may not help um, yeah that may point to directions to things that that can improve the world that is the normal actually uh, um, i i finished uh, i i hired uh, an approver, a proof editor uh, i uh, i got uh, cover images actually from an artist um, manaf uh, Alatar who is uh, a syrian refugee who now works in berlin in germany so i got actually a, a cover from a refugee i'm really really happy with that and um, yeah it, it's that is uh, that is and it, it's fully in the solar pink genre because it does show, it does show ways, ways forward. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you go utopia. It only sets, puts forward the first couple of steps towards a better world, uh, if you get my drift.
0: Right, right. Wow, that the replicant, that sounds absolutely fascinating. And we'll all have to be keeping our eyes out for that. I uh, can't wait. Uh, that, that,
1: that, that is for your magazine. I'm, I'm not saying that forever curious, bad novel, but it's, Mm -hmm. The thing is, um, I was trying to, um, I've I've pitched the Replicant to more than a hundred agents. And uh, the thing is, if you pitch a novel uh, to the open submission boxes of agents, um, in about 40, 50% uh, of of all those, you don't even get an answer. They Mm -hmm. will only answer if they're interested. And of those answers I got, I only got a few partials and and it's not like... uh, The problem is, it's set so near in the future. That if I go the whole road, like first get an agent, and then the agent needs to get a publisher, and then it gets published, that parts of my novel, um, that is the problem. Part of my novel will then already be obsolete. That is the big um, problem with writing near future. Things are obsolete. For example, I let the refugees use um, cryptocurrency, and everybody's like, I well, would refugees use cryptocurrency, well not just cryptocurrency, but also. Um, the other things uh, that, that, that uh, things like Ethereum can provide, meaning they can put their ID papers and their money in the cloud, meaning they can't be robbed while they're on the run. It's, it's, that's, uh, for, for that, that I see as a definite killer application for refugees. Well, then to my surprise, I started doing research. They have already been doing that since 2018. Mm-hmm. I'm like, What? Refugees are already using cryptocurrency, are already using uh, places in the cloud where they not only put their, uh, their passports and other ID papers, but also their papers uh, which show how they own a house or how they own, um, for example, uh, stocks, uh, things like that. They, they, they put that in the cloud. It's, so I'm already like, wow, I'm already behind if I wait five more years. I'm, I'm writing history yeah I exaggerate a little bit, but that was the problem so i thought like i'm i'm going to try this to pitch this for uh, for a, a limited amount of time i tried and i made a i draw a line in the sand that said that uh, was one hundred if i don't get an offer after I tried one hundred agents i'm like okay i'm going to self punish so that's what i'm doing now, and this is purely a a time uh thing because it's it's that's yeah that's the that's the 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 risk of writing in the near future uh, you might become obsolete before you finish the novel
0: <laughs> yes all excellent points uh yeah very interesting and we also appreciate you you know reaching out to actual refugees and, and basically consulting them um you know for their experiences is really really wonderful um we have time for maybe one more question um so You've been around the solar punk scene since the beginning. Um, have you seen any noticeable or significant changes in the subgenre or its various expressions and manifestations over the years?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think basically that solar punk is now finally finding its voice. Um, th- I think it's that, that, well, there have been only a few optimistic SF anthologies over the years. Uh, The only only ones that come immediately to mind are Catherine Kramer's Hieroglyph. I hope I pronounced that right. And and, 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 and an anthology of third flat iron called Garden Wear Eclipse Glasses. Um, But I think it's really, really gaining momentum right now. Um, From, uh, yeah, I made a little list. Um, Not just the recent uh, class and Garden solar punk anthologies. I think they had two... Uh, called Solar Pink Summers and SolarPunk Winters. Uh, there's also an anthology called Fix the World. That just been released and I, uh, they are open to a second one focused on climate change. Um, there is the Imagine 2200 competition from Grist, which is, I think, yeah, they will announce winners later on this year. Um, there is an anthology from, an, uh, from CalixPress uh, from Australia called And Lately the Sun, recently revealed. Um, three days ago, I got in my mailbox um, uh, my uh, uh, Kickstarter uh, copy of The World's Revolution, a climate crisis anthology, which should be out um, soonish. Um, there's a magazine called Dreamforge Envil that say that they, uh, and I subscribe to them, they try to um, publish mostly upbeat stories. And then uh, there is your solar Punk anthology and your solar pink magazine and, and i checked your kickstarter and you thought, holy holy you, you you destroyed your goal it's fantastic um yeah. so i think it's i think there is a real momentum going on right now i really do and what i also think is that um the best thing to keep this momentum going i hope is a magazine and uh, who, who cares who knows maybe it's your solar print magazine that that keeps this going yeah. And I actually even stumbled on a thing called Consolation Songs, Optimistic Stories for a Time of Pandemic, a charity anthology. So that is, if I count very quickly, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten magazines or anthologies in the past two years basically uh, doing upbeat uh, science fiction. I think, well, that something must be in the water. I hope hope, uh, this is the beginning of a... If a very good thing uh, um, I really 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 do not like the punk suffix yeah, it's called solar punk but punk yeah I'm yeah I'm a relatively old man and um, punk was uh, from the 70s punk is 40 years old and and I'm, I'm like yeah this is a bit old yeah I know that f- f- cyberpunk yeah, back in the 80s um, science fiction wanted to. Uh, sound edgy again, and um, they they invented the word cyberpunk. But the thing is, then they called everything punk: steampunk while it was steam jazz would have been more appropriate. Uh, diesel punk, uh, nuclear punk, whatever punk. Um, I think punk is old, not only that, but recently, uh, really happened. You can search it on the internet. Is that Johnny Lydon, the uh, who used to be Johnny Rotten? From the Sex Pistols, he lost the case against the other surviving members of the Sex Pistols because he fought to keep their songs out of a Disney biopic called Pistols. Yeah, you see which part they cut. So, uh, Punk is 40 years old and it's becoming a Disney biopic. Oh, come on, people. Um, Disney biopic, uh, that means that Punk at this time is about as dangerous as a litter of kittens. So, I would recommend, uh, I know you already call it Solar Punk magazine. Well... Um, I would be happy with a rename that 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 takes out the suffix. but that's just my rant. Thank you for listening <laughs>
0: <laughs> no thank thank you for sharing that. That's an excellent perspective. It's kind of like you know the overuse of a term kind of drains it of its meaning over time. um that's why we have to keep having new ideas and new terms and new new vernacular um yeah, definitely something to to keep in mind um yeah. So unfortunately, we are all out of time for this episode, but I want to thank you again, Jetsa, for um, coming on to SolarPunk Futures to talk about your really wonderful writing and your wonderful experiences creating Shine uh, shine and all that good stuff. So thank you so much and have a wonderful day.
1: Yeah, Brianna, thank you very much for having me. All you guys, best of luck uh, with uh, with SolarPunk Magazine. Uh, I just found out that I should actually also uh, pitch something in, in, the, in, the, in the Kickstarter, even though you're already there. But we'll do that. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Bye-bye.